This is a podcast from the children's radio station Fun Kids. Listen on DAB Digital Radio across the UK or online at funkidslive.com. Fun Kids Family Walks. Manchester and the Industrial Revolution. Hello and welcome to this Fun Kids Family Walk. Walking is a great way to get out and stay healthy and to find out more about the history of the towns and cities we live in. Roads can be busy, so please take care on the walk, especially when it's time to cross a road and when you're near the tram lines. You can pause the audio whenever you want if you'd like to look around for a little bit longer. Just restart the walk again when you're ready. You'll also hear an audio clue. Pause audio. When we're moving between locations. This walk is all about Manchester and the Industrial Revolution. Manchester is a city famous for Vimto, music and football. It's also the third biggest city in the UK. I've been told to start my walk here, in St Anne's Square, and meet someone very important. Well, hello there. Welcome to Manchester. Thanks. Would you like to introduce yourself? Well, actually, I thought we could play a game for you to work out who I am. As we walk around, I thought I'd give you clues to help you figure out my name. Uh, Very mysterious. Are you Liam Gallagher? Not even close. I'm more of a Noel fan myself, but far older than either of them. I didn't think you were, but he was the first Mancunian that came to mind. Oh, what about Marcus Rashford? Are you Marcus Rashford? Well, you can be sure that I'm not a Gallagher brother or a Mancunian footballer. All the clues I give you will be letters, and then at the end of the walk you'll see a statue of me and all will become clear. Okay, so this walk is all about the Industrial Revolution that took place between the years 1760 and 1840, and how it changed Manchester. Lots of things can make a place or its people change. One of the key changes that took place here in Manchester was the cotton mills, which boomed during the revolution. (coughs) I was alive to witness these changes firsthand and see Manchester grow into an industrial city. I'll be coming along with you to show you what Manchester was like during the industrial revolution. And don't forget to look out for the bees. You'll spot them on buildings, benches, bollards and, well, all over the place. They have a very important meaning here in Manchester. Manchester was the world's first industrial city. During the Industrial Revolution, it expanded tremendously, with many mills, warehouses and other businesses set up across the city. Many people came to Manchester from the countryside to work, especially on the cotton mills. And because so much cotton was spun here, the city became known as Cottonopolis. Imagine if you've lived in the countryside your whole life and never seen a city. What do you think it was like to come to the city and work in a factory? Well, although the buildings may look grand and would have been exciting to see when workers first entered the city, the workers were treated very badly, something I saw firsthand. Seeing the treatment of workers made me see the world very differently and I ended up writing about it. Okay, we need to find our first object. It's right here in St Anne's Square. And it's a fountain. Can you spot it? Some people say it looks like a tulip. It's not actually a tulip. Any idea what it is? The reason we've started our walk here is because it's important to our story. 
It's a statue of a cotton bud, and it's a reminder of how the Industrial Revolution is linked to the cotton trade. Cotton is grown on plants which don't grow in the UK because we don't have the right weather. Most cotton today is grown in China, India, and the USA. During the Industrial Revolution, Manchester imported slave-grown cotton from the West Indies. It would arrive as fluffy buds, which were pulled apart, cleaned, and processed through lots of different machines to become a strong thread. Do you know why Manchester was a good place to weave cotton? It's all got to do with the water. It does always seem to be raining in Manchester, but I'm not sure why rain would be good for cotton. Well, good levels of rain and humidity means that when cotton is being spun into thread, it's less likely to snap. And Manchester is a great location because of its access to water. Uh, as you travel around the city, you might see the canals that uh, would have carried coal into the city to power the mills, whilst the cotton itself was brought here on the Manchester Ship Canal. Now we know a little more about cotton, we're off to our next stop, which isn't too far away. In fact, it's right here in this square. It's the Royal Exchange. We're going to walk across the square to the Royal Exchange. You should be able to see it from the fountain. Pause the audio, walk until you get to the Royal Exchange, and then restart the audio when you're ready. Welcome to the Royal Exchange. This is where cotton was sold once it had been spun into textiles and cloth. We use textiles every day. Things like clothes, blankets and curtains are all made from textiles. If you look on the outside of the Royal Exchange, you'll find the first clue as to who I am. You should see letters and numbers in the stonework. Find a word that ends large and take the first two letters of this word. These are the first two letters of my name. Make sure you write them down somewhere so you don't remember them. Right, let's head into the Royal Exchange. But look out for a monster on your left as you walk in. He likes to surprise children. Pause the audio, walk and enter the Royal Exchange and then restart when you're ready. We're now standing in the Great Hall. This was once one of the world's largest centres for trading cotton. All the fabric and textiles made in Manchester's mills were sold here. If you look up, can you see an old-looking board high up? It has lots of numbers on it and the names of many different cities. The numbers would have told merchants, that's the people selling the textiles, the different prices of each textile. Time for another clue. Look at the board and find where Liverpool is. Look at the two words below Liverpool and make a note of the fourth letter of the second word. You now have three letters of my name. The Great Hall used to be even greater. It used to be twice the size. Have a look at the sign underneath the board. It says the hall was damaged from enemy actions. What do you think that means? In the Second World War, a lot of buildings in Manchester were badly damaged during the Blitz, including the Royal Exchange. Today, the Royal Exchange is a theatre, and in the centre of the hall is a structure where shows take place. It's so heavy that it should fall through the floor if it wasn't suspended in the air with wires attached to the pillars. Before we leave, see if you can spot a life-size bear in the hall. Yes, I said bear. Pause the audio walk if you want to have a little look around, then restart it so I can guide you to our next location. 
Ready to move on? Our next location is John Ryland's Library in Deansgate. Exit the theatre through the exit by the cafe. Turn right onto Cross Street towards Newmarket. Turn right onto King Street and then left onto Deansgate and walk towards the library. It's a grand old building made of red bricks. Pause audio, walk until you get to John Ryland's library and then restart the audio when you're ready. The walk should take five minutes. Welcome to the John Ryland's Library. During the Industrial Revolution, the people who owned factories and mills became very rich. In the 1860s, John Ryland owned the largest textile business in Britain, and he became Manchester's first multi-millionaire. When he died, his wife, Enriqueta, created the library in memory of her husband. Did you know that uh, when it was built, the library was surrounded by warehouses and narrow streets? The factories would burn coal and the air was filled with soot and nasty pollution. In fact, the pollution was so bad, it made many people sick and when it snowed, the snowflakes came down grey. Can you imagine that? Grey snow? When everything is white. What's worse, the pollution caused a species of moth to change colour. The peppered moth would normally be white to hide in the lichen on the trees. The pollution made the tree bark turn black, so the moths, they changed colour to black so they could still hide against the bark. By 1895, nearly all the peppered moths in Manchester were black. While we stand outside the library, you might notice that the front of the building is still black in places. That's pollution from all those years ago. If you look at the front of the library, you can see two big doors at the front with shields. Underneath them is a saying written in Latin. That's the language of the Romans. This is where you'll find the next clue. Find the word labour. It is spelt a little differently to how it's spelt in English. Take the last letter of the word and add it to the letters you have already found. Before we leave, have you spotted dragons, roses and gargoyles carved into the building? And look out for some old lights that are shaped like cotton buds. Pause the audio walk if you want to have a look around, and then restart it so I can guide you to our next location. Right, let's head to our next location. We're off to John Dalton Street. Walk east on Wood Street towards Deansgate. In 100 feet, turn left onto Deansgate and walk for 150 feet. Turn right onto John Dalton Street. Pause the audio, Walk until you get to John Dalton Street, and then restart the audio when you're ready. Welcome to John Dalton Street. We're going to walk along this street to find a blue plaque. It's a plaque for John Dalton, who this street is named after. John Dalton was a chemist and teacher. He's also known for coming up with atomic theory, which is the theory that everything in the universe is made up from small things called atoms. It's what we base all chemistry on, so it was a pretty important discovery. He also did lots of work on colour blindness, discovering that it's hereditary, which means it's often passed down in families. If you find it hard to tell the difference between red and green, or even blue and purple, you might be colour blind. Pause the audio walk if you want to have a look around, then restart it so I can guide you to our next location. Ready to move on? Our next location is Manchester Town Hall. 
walk to the end of John Dalton Street, turn right onto Albert Square and then left onto Lloyd Street. Walk for 250 feet and you will see the Town Hall. Pause the audio, walk until you get to the Town Hall and then restart the audio when you're ready. Welcome back! We're outside Manchester Town Hall. The building is well-loved by Mancunians and has been the setting for films like Sherlock Holmes and Victor Frankenstein in recent years. In the mid-19th century, the Industrial Revolution in Manchester was in full swing and the city was getting richer and richer. Even if workers in the factories weren't being treated very fairly. Yeah, Manchester was getting richer, but its workers weren't. Despite this, it was felt that Manchester needed a town hall to show off its new status, and so a design competition was held, and the winner was... Wait, you're about to give away my next clue. Oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. To get the next clue, you need to find the name of the architect who designed Manchester Town Hall. You'll find his name on the information boards outside the town hall. When you find the name, take the second letter of his first name and add it to your clues. Can I get back to telling them about the town hall now? It was built in a neo-Gothic style, which means it's very grand and has fancy patterns. You can see a few gargoyles up high on the town hall. The town hall is made from 14 million bricks and cost about £93 million to make in today's money. If the town hall is open, have a look inside and pay special attention to the mosaic bees on the floor. You may have seen quite a few bees as you walked around Manchester. Do you know why there are so many bees? During the Industrial Revolution, the symbol began to represent Manchester. The bees were the workers, the mills were the hives, and the textiles produced was the honey. The bee symbol is something people are very proud of in Manchester, and while it's rooted in industrialisation, it remains an important symbol that, like bees, we are stronger together. Now you know the importance of the symbol, try to keep spotting it across the city and see how many you can count. If you have very good eyesight, you might make out a golden spiked ball on top of the town hall. It reminds me of the golden snitch from Harry Potter, but it's actually supposed to look like a budding cotton in the sun. Pause the audio walk if you want to have a look around, and then restart it so I can guide you to our next location. Ready to move on? We're going to St Peter's Square. It's a short walk, and on your way you'll pass the Cenotaph. That's a memorial to those who have died during the First World War. The walk to St Peter's Square should only take two minutes. Head east on Lloyd Street and take a sharp right at Moseley Street. There you will find St Peter's Square filled with trams, a cenotaph and a statue. Pause the audio, walk until you get to St Peter's Square and then restart the audio when you're ready. Welcome to St Peter's Square. We've seen how the cotton industry made Manchester grow and made lots of money for the city, but as I've mentioned, not everyone in Manchester was getting richer. Most people worked in terrible conditions. You can say that again. It was hard and laborious work. The working day started at 6am and was 13 hours long. The mills were kept hot to prevent cotton threads from snapping and lots of people became ill or worse. People died from lung illnesses caused by breathing in tiny pieces of cotton and from the injuries caused by the machinery. Some of the most dangerous jobs were done by children who would have to scurry under the machinery whilst it was still running to repair broken threads. 
and if they weren't quick enough, well, they might lose a limb or even their lives. The factories were also really loud and people went deaf from working day in, day out around the machinery. This is where the phrase Crawfield comes from, when somebody doesn't hear you properly. Say that again? Uh, this is where the phrase clo- uh, uh, ha ha ha, very funny. Workers weren't happy about their work and living conditions, and so on the 16th of August 1819 they gathered in this square, which was just a field at the time. They came expecting speeches about what could be done to improve their working conditions, and it was intended to be a peaceful day. Unfortunately, the day turned violent when troops were sent in to disperse them. Eighteen people were killed, and more than 650 injured. It became known as the bloodiest political clash in British history. It's important we remember that the rights we have now and the lives we live were fought for by those people here. That's right. In fact, it's a city that's inspired a lot of my own political works. In that case, I'd like to introduce you to someone you'll find in this square. Let's find her statue. Pause the audio, walk until you get to the statue of Emmeline Pankhurst, and then restart the audio again when you're ready. I'm Emmeline Pankhurst, and this here in St Peter's Square is a statue of me. The likeness is uncanny, don't you think? It's great, although you do sound very much like Bex putting on a voice. Shh! It's great to meet you, Emmeline. Uh, Why do you have a statue here? I grew up in Mossside here in Manchester, just after the Industrial Revolution. I noticed that women were treated very differently to men. They were paid less, did very manual physical jobs, and had no rights. They weren't allowed to vote. I wanted to change that. So I set up the Women's Social and Political Union and became the leader of the suffragette movement. We worked hard to get women the vote. Sometimes people didn't like my methods and I was arrested many times but I never gave up. In 1918, women were given the vote and nearly 100 years later, the statue you see was erected. It was sadly the first statue in Manchester of a woman since one of Queen Victoria was erected 100 years before. Ah, and if we look at the statue, you will see my final clue. Find Emmeline's motto, Deeds Not. Take the last letter of the motto and add it to the other letters you have collected. Seeing this statue reminds us of what Emmeline did and what she sacrificed and reminds us to peacefully fight for change. Pause the audio walk if you want to have a look around and then restart it so I can guide you to our next location. There's one more place we're going to visit. Tony Wilson Place. Come on, let's go. Walk southwest on back George Street and then left onto Dickinson Street. After 100 feet, turn right onto George Street and then after 300 feet, turn right onto Oxford Street. Walk 200 feet and then left onto Lower Mosley Street, following it as it becomes Albion Street. Turn left onto Whitworth Street and then right onto 1st Street. Go under the arch, which says 1st Street, until you reach Tony Wilson Place. This will take around 10 minutes. Pause the audio, walk until you get to Tony Wilson Place outside home cinema, and then restart the audio when you're ready. Welcome to Tony Wilson Place. 
It's named after Tony Wilson, who was a radio and television presenter behind some of Manchester's biggest bands. Bands like the Happy Mondays and Joy Division. The buildings around us look a lot more modern than what we've seen on our walk so far, but we're here to see our mystery guest statue. I think I can see it. It's got writing in a language that looks like Russian. Well done on finding me. Now, if you take the letters from the clues, they spell out my name in English. E and N from outside the Royal Exchange. G from inside the exchange. E from John Ryland's library. And L from Emmeline's statue. My name is Frederick Engels. I was a celebrated German philosopher and a revolutionary socialist. Now, that's quite a mouthful, but let me explain what I did. Although a German, I spent over 20 years in Manchester. My father owned large textile factories, and when I was 22, he sent me to Manchester to work in their offices in an attempt to change some of my views, like thinking workers should have more rights. While I was in Manchester, I saw terrible working conditions. I was shocked by child labour, poor conditions, and how the landscape was being destroyed by pollution. And at the same time, I saw factory owners like my father become rich and live lavish lifestyles whilst their workers were made poor. I wrote about what I saw in the book called The Condition of the Working Class in England, although I am more famous for another book I wrote with a man called Karl Marx. Uh, that was called The Communist Manifesto. I didn't want individuals to own land and factories. I wanted the government to own these and share them among everyone. People still disagree whether my views are right or wrong. This statue of me was brought from Ukraine, where it was found in a farmer's field. It looks like Engels has returned to being a statue. It took a long time for working conditions to improve. Whilst the 1833 Factory Act made it illegal for children under the age of 9 to work in factories, and those aged 9 to 13 couldn't work for more than 48 hours a week, it wasn't until 1933 when laws restricted the employment of children under 14. If you want to find out more about child labour, have a listen to my Jobs in the Past series on Fun Kids. And that's the end of this walk around Manchester's Industrial Revolution. If you're interested in seeing some more sites from the Industrial Revolution, I'd recommend going to the Museum of Science and Industry, where you can see machinery that would have been used in the mills. I hope you enjoyed taking a look back in time with me, Frederick Engels and Emmeline Pankhurst. Thanks for joining me, and hopefully I'll see you again soon. Fun Kids Family Walks. For more information on what to see and do, visit funkidslive.com slash walks. So that was a podcast from the children's radio station Fun Kids. Listen on DAB Digital Radio across the UK or online at funkidslive.com.